Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? God, I've seen this path walked by so many before me, and it can start out so innocently, you know? And then people eventually start to lose their way, and I mean, one wrong step leads to another, and and I don't even recognize them anymore. I mean, I grew up knowing and believing that it would never be me. (laughs) I mean, I, I couldn't even understand why would someone compromise who they are and make such bad choices that would later on lead them down a road towards destruction. But, but now I know. I mean, God, for many, it was never about the wrong choices. It was about the need to fit in. God, and I watch my friends look for worth in what other people think of them. I mean, the name of the game is fit in or miss out, right? You miss out on the parties, you miss out on the fun, on the friends, on the experiences. I mean, YOLO, (laughs) you only live once, right? That's what they say, right? But man, what a lie. But God, look, I don't like feeling alone this way. I mean, God, I I try so hard to stand for what you say is right, but it gets lonely being the only one who thinks this way. I mean, why can't more people understand? What don't they get? All this partying and drinking and drugs, it's not going to satisfy that empty feeling in their heart. God, it's not going to give them what they need. And God, now I realize that, that what they need is you. You and you alone. So God, please, I I need you to teach me what it truly means to trust in the path that you have for me, God. I I don't want to be led by the opinions of others. I don't want to find my worth in the picture of who they think I should be. So God, please, lead me not into temptation, God, but deliver me from evil. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. These words have come from our lips so often. And my question today is, does your heart get it yet? It's one thing to know it here, but has it translated here? Has it begun to change the way that you live your life? When the disciples and the followers of Jesus ask him this question, Lord, teach us to pray over 2,000 years ago. They weren't just asking so that they knew what to say. They were asking so they knew how to live. And during this journey, during these last few weeks, 
We've been asking the Lord the same question so that we know how to live differently as a result of it. And today we get to this final part of the prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's take a look here at it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. It says there, in the Word, if you're reading it in the New, uh, New American Standard, which is the one in your pews, it says, And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What do these words really mean? At times, we can become so familiar with them that we, they, they lose meaning in our lives. These were very important words that Jesus would say because just a few chapters earlier, if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 4, we see that Jesus was caught in the very midst of the thing that he said we should pray that God would never bring us into. Lead us not into temptation. Let's take a look together at Matthew chapter 4. This is a moment in time that's right after Jesus' baptism. Whenever the heavens opened and, and whenever we saw the Spirit of God come down and descend like a dove. And we heard a voice from heaven. We read about it. It says, this is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. And after that mountaintop, amazing experience, something happens in the ministry of Jesus that begins everything and changes everything and teaches us exactly how we are to pray and how we are to live. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, here's what it says. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. There are four things that you need to understand today if we're going to understand what this part of the prayer means and how our lives are meant to be different as a result of it. There are four things that we have to understand about who God is and what he has for us and will change us forever as we apply it to our lives. The first thing is this. God won't mislead us. God will not mislead us. He will not mislead you. Now, I learned this, and I'm able to share a story with you that happened to me last night. And I believe the whole reason that this happened, that my wife and I had a lot of time that was wasted last evening, was because the Lord wanted me to share this kind of story with you. So I wish he would have taught it to me in a different way and at a different time in the evening. But here's where we are, and let's just move forward, right? I'm over it, Mandy. I think we're good, right? So last night, uh, we had the opportunity to meet Matt uh, for dinner and have the opportunity just to connect with him and talk and even pray before our service uh, here this morning. And so I'm on my way out to a restaurant, and the person that was going to be meeting us there had made the arrangements and said, um, meet us here, meet us here between 7.30 and 7.45. We'll look forward to seeing you there. I had never heard of the restaurant. It was a little bistro uh, that, that I just, I had never heard of before. And it was in a town that I'd never been to before. And so whenever that happens, I pull out my trusted GPS, right? And I say, Siri, take me there. And luckily, Siri knew exactly the name of the restaurant, and she knew exactly where it was. And I saw it on the nice little map. And so we headed on our way. I saw before I left, I saw it would take me nearly an hour to get there. And my thought is, it's Saturday night before I have to get up and preach. They wish they would have picked somewhere a little bit closer. So I ask it in the nicest way I can. Hey, um, it says it's an hour away. W what's the deal? <laughs> Why is it so far away? And, and they said, well, no, it shouldn't be more than a half an hour, even with traffic. I said, okay, well, maybe my GPS is calculating for traffic. Okay. Well, time comes for Mandy and I to leave, and we're on our way, and we are set to get there right at 745 and not a minute later. We took every minute of that because it was over 50 minutes of driving. And as we're driving, we're wondering, this feels really far out of the way. I can't believe we chose in a little place in the middle of nowhere, literally. And as we get there, and as the minutes draw closer to our destination, something isn't sitting right with me. 
and I pull onto a main street, and there's a Cracker Barrel and a few other restaurants, and it tells me to take a left. And when I take this left, I'm thinking, there cannot be a restaurant down this street. And then it says, take another left. And now I'm going into the woods somewhere. It's like a construction site meets an abandoned uh, business, uh, you know, kind of complex. And as we're pulling down, we literally get to the end of a street. It just ends and just goes into dirt. And the woods are in front of me. And then the GPS says, you're there. The bistro right there. And I'm looking, and, it's, and it has the little restaurant logo on my GPS. So here I am, and I'm thinking, if this is where the restaurant is, I don't want any of whatever they're serving. And so we get on the phone, we turn around, we get back to the main road, and we're calling, we're talking, hey, hey, we're right near this hot dog place, we're right near Cracker Barrel, and they're like, we don't know what you're talking about, the hostess at the restaurant. And so we said, well, what's the name of a restaurant near you? We punch that in, it's 45 minutes away from where we are. We drive 50 minutes only to be 45 minutes away from where we needed to go. Here's what I learned through that. There are going to be times in your life that you get to a place, you followed instructions, and you're standing there and you're asking this question, Lord, how in the world did I get here? How in the world did I get where I am right now? And I want to tell you, for many of us, it's because at some point in time or another, we followed some bad instructions. Everything looked great on the surface. I mean, I thought she knew what she was doing. She failed me yet again. (laughs) But I put so much faith in this, and I let that be my guide. Let that be my compass. And everything looked perfect. And I could tell you, I sat there, clicked on the emblem as I'm sitting in the middle of nowhere. I see a beautiful picture of a restaurant. I see a beautiful menu. I see ratings. I see reviews. And yet I see no, I'm like, it isn't matching up. The description that I've been sold in the directions that I was given and what I've been following is not lining up with what I'm experiencing right now. Some of you have been sold a picture of what life would look like if you just followed the right instructions and they're leading you towards destruction. For others of us, though, maybe you've been following all the right instructions. You've even taken a look at God's word and said, I'm going to let this be my guide. And as you've walked through your journey, you find yourself in a very desolate place. And you're asking that same question. How in the world did I get here? And the first thing that we want to do whenever we feel that we are in a place that we don't like, don't understand, or frustrated to be in, we point the finger at someone And when we feel God has led us there, we're saying, God, you have misled me. And here's what you need to know about his word. And here's what you need to understand about the way that he's called us to pray. God won't mislead us. It's not in his nature to mislead us. And so when you find yourself in that desolate place and you're asking that question, saying, God, I followed you. I lived by faith. I did. I believed everything you had called me to do. Why am I here? You need to know that you know that you know he hasn't misled you. There is a purpose for the place that you're at today. Come on, someone. And here's why we need to understand that. And here's the evidence we see of it. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. And the Spirit of the Lord led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Let that sit in real quick. Let that sink into you right now. Jesus, God's only son, he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit so that he could be tempted by the devil. There are times that God will lead and allow his people to walk through wilderness experiences. From God to rescue his people from Egypt to bring them to the place that he had made for them, the promised land, it required a wilderness experience. I don't want you for a moment to think just because you're in the wilderness, God has misled you. 
You see, the wilderness was only supposed to take 11 days of travel time. It took them 40 years. You know why? Because they knew that they knew that they knew that God had misled them somewhere. And I want to tell you, if you're standing in the wilderness and you feel that God has misled you and you're going to try to follow your own heart, your own compass, your own way, you will spend years and years in lands of desolation because you have turned to your own understanding and not his. God won't mislead us. He won't mislead his children. The second thing that you need to know this is this. God won't tempt us. Everyone's like, I don't think I agree with you, Pastor. No, hear me again. God won't tempt us. You say, no, this isn't making any sense. We just read that passage. Let's look again. Put it up on the screen. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, that God allowed his son to be led into the wilderness. If you have your Bibles, take a look at it right there in front of you. He led him into the wilderness, the Holy Spirit, so that he would be tempted by who? By God? By the devil. There is a tempter in the story of Matthew chapter 4, and it's not God, it is the devil. If you look with me here in James chapter 1, it explains this to us. It says this, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Instead, we understand where temptation comes from. Verse 14, temptation comes from your own desires, which entice us and drag us away. God doesn't tempt us. God can allow us to walk into seasons and into situations where we can be tempted, but God isn't the one ever tempting us. You need to understand that. Are you following me, church? And so as we walk through seasons, especially when we walk through the wilderness experiences, we're ultimately walking through trials. And in every trial, there is a temptation. There is a factor that is a temptation. Jesus walked through the wilderness. And it says in verse 2 that as, as he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, probably only a few of us in this room, right, that have ever done that. You say, did you say 40 hours, Pastor? I think I did that once. No, 40 days, 40 nights, Jesus fasted. And then he became hungry. Don't judge him for being hungry, please. 40 days, 40 nights, he became hungry. See, this is, Jesus was fully man, fully God. He felt what we feel. He walked through the things that we walked through. He felt all those same things that we feel in this world. He felt hunger, just like you and I do. He became hungry. And from there, the tempter came, knowing that there was something that he was lacking in that moment that he could be tempted with. And the tempter came, the Bible says, and said to him this, if you're the son of God, take this stone and turn it into bread. Come on, if you're the son of God, you can do it. You can do this. Here's what you need to understand about temptation. Temptation always comes into your life to offer you a counterfeit of the real thing. I'm gonna say it again. Temptation always comes with the offer of a counterfeit. It's something that's fake. It's not the real thing. He says, take this stone and you can turn it into bread. And Jesus understood that. He understood exactly what was going on there. That there was a counterfeiting going on. The temptation came to offer something else in replace of the real thing. And I want to tell you that whenever we fall into temptation, we normally, that means we're falling into sin. 
And sin is nothing more than this, a counterfeit joy in your life. Instead of taking joy in God and pleasing him and in walking in relationship with him, we try to find counterfeit joy in all the things of this world, things that we think will make us feel whole, things that we think make us feel joy and excitement and a part of things. And all the while it's depleting us. It's a counterfeit. It's not the real thing. And Jesus notices it immediately. And in verse 4, he answers. And this is interesting for you to notice as you're reading through this passage or if you're taking notes that, that as this entire temptation account's going on, what's being twisted by the enemy and the tempter every time is not anyone else's words but God's. Go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3. What does the enemy, the serpent, do? He twists God's words and try to use them against him. Here in the wilderness, again, the tempter, the devil has come. He's twisting God's word and says, well, God's a God that can turn stones into bread. Do it. And Jesus, you know what the answer is? The answer was the word of God. Every time. I want to tell you, if you're going to have victory when you walk through seasons of wilderness experiences in times of temptation, the word of God needs to be deeply rooted in your life. The psalmist says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I won't sin against you. It isn't in that moment that you run and try to find it on your Bible. Let it be hidden here in your heart. And at the moment's notice, you can answer in those times of temptation that you know that you know that you know what God says. And he says this, Jesus, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And then the devil took him up to another temptation, put him on the pinnacle of a high building and said, throw yourself down because the word says that he'll give his angels command concerning you and that your foot would not even strike the ground. And when Jesus saw that again, he answered with the word. No, God's word says it is written that we shall not put the Lord our God to the test. And then he says, he brings him to a high place, shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, you can have it all. Just bow down and worship me. When temptation comes, we see a pattern here. And it's something that will come into each one of our lives. That when you go through temptation, it's ultimately trying to get you to doubt God. And to doubt something that God is doing in your life. Or something that you are trusting God for. And if the enemy can get you to cast doubt in that area, then you can become weak and vulnerable and fall into temptation. The first thing is this. Think about the bread and the stone. To doubt God's provision. And when you walk through the wilderness and there's a temptation to say... God, are you really enough? Are those just words that I sing and stories I read about? Can you really sustain me, Lord? You see, it's not adding up. The ends are not meeting. Can you live in those moments saying, God, I know that I know that I trust you. I'm not going to doubt your provision in my life. The next thing is doubting God's protection. God, are you really seeing everything that I'm walking through? Are you really seeing how overwhelming this temptation is? I can't leave. God's word promises us this, not that we won't be tempted, but that God will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can handle. And that in every temptation, he will give us a way of escape. He will give us a way out. And so in that time, the temptation comes in and wants you to doubt God's protection in your life. And finally, when he says, bow down to me, and I'll give you everything. Give up on your purpose and serve my purposes. The last thing the enemy would want to do through temptation is get you to doubt God's purpose for your life. And here's what you need to know. I don't know your story. I don't know your life. I don't know what you're good at, but here's what I know that I know that I know. God has a purpose for you. And if you have not yet discovered it, spend time seeking him and he will reveal it to you. 
It may not be doing what I do, and it may not be doing what the person next to you is doing, but he has a purpose specifically for you that he wants you to walk in. So let's not doubt God's provision. Let's not doubt God's protection. Let's not be tempted to doubt God's purpose in our lives because all of them are true. That's the second point. God, I told you two things God won't do. He won't mislead you and he won't tempt you. But here are two things he will do. God will test you. Are you still with me? You're very quiet today. God will test you. And you say, what's the difference then between testing and temptation, Lord? Well, we saw there, as we were reading in, in James, it says that we are able to endure in the midst of temptation and testing. Every trial comes, and it's like a double edge. Every trial that you walk through in this life has a component of it that comes with temptation. It's where the enemy wants to take that and use it for some reason and for some purpose. And there's one that God wants to use. God doesn't tempt us, but he does test us. He tested Abraham. He tests his children in the wilderness. He tests us, and there is a purpose in that test. And here's what you need to understand. There's a difference between temptation, and there's a difference between that and testing. The goal of temptation is failure. The goal of temptation is to get you to ultimately give in and give up, compromise and settle for the counterfeit. But the goal of testing is fruit. It's fruitfulness. The testing that God brings into your life is not one for you to fail, but for it to prove something in and through you. It's for growth. It's for your future. It's for refining. Testing comes to prove something. Every test you've taken in this life, in your schooling, in your education, ultimately at the end of the day, it was to prove something. The genuineness of your education, the testing that God allows and brings into our lives, it proves the genuineness of our faith of our relationship with him. And in every way, no matter how difficult that test is, God has not just brought us to it, he will bring us through it by his power. And so we need to understand that when we go through tests and times of testing, how many of you love tests? I don't love tests. But how many of you realize tests are necessary? How many of your children, if they had it their way, they'd say, no more tests. And you say, honey, no more tests, no more growth. No more advancement. And the Lord looks at us and says, testing, you don't want it, but you need it so you can grow into who I've called you to be, into who I'm creating you to be. And through those times of testing, as difficult as they are, they come to refine us, to change us. And every temptation is ultimately, when you give into it, it's a failure of the test. You failed the test. They failed the test in the wilderness, and they never got out of the wilderness. But God has given us everything we need to pass, every test that comes into our life. The testing of your faith, the testing of your integrity, the testing of your character. When you give into temptation, you're ultimately beginning to fail in some of those areas. And here's what you need to realize. Behind every temptation that's coming into your life is an opportunity for you to fail, a desire for you to fail. Have you ever thought of it that way? Have you ever isolated and say, what is this temptation? In what area of my life am I being tempted to fail in? Is it in my integrity? Is it in my character? Is it in my purity? What is it? I want you to know something. God has a plan for you, and so does the enemy of your soul. And his, his is for life and for a future and for hope, and his is to kill, steal, and destroy you. Whose path are you walking in today? If you continually are giving into temptation, you're walking on the wrong path. And I'm so thankful today that it doesn't matter how far down that road you get, you are only a heart's turn from the right path. God can meet you even in this moment and bring you into a completely new place. 
It says that in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, that we're not called to despise testing. In fact, we can count it as a joy. Look at 1 Peter chapter, six, chapter 1, verse 6. It says this, Be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead of you, even though you endure many trials for a little while. But these trials will show that your faith is genuine. They prove the genuineness of your faith, of your trust in God. In being tested by fire, just as it purifies gold. Though your faith is more precious than mere gold. Stop right there. I want you to take a look at this. If we want to see gold that is refined, this is what it looks like. For, for gold to be proven genuine, for it to be refined, it goes through an immense heating process where it melts down, where everything about its construct literally crumbles and melts into one. Everything falls apart through the power and intensity of the heat. And yes, at the end, it's left more pure. Some of you are enduring a season of testing, but I want you to know that God has something on the other side of it. Something beautiful, something for your hope, for your future, for your benefit. God hasn't brought you to this wilderness to leave you there and die. He's bringing you to it so he can bring you through it better on the other side. Come on, someone. Having proven his faithfulness in your life. And here's what it says in verse 7 of the rest of 1 Peter chapter 1. It says this, so when your faith remains strong through many trials. Someone's been through many trials in the room today, right? It will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. You will shine brightly on that day. When you stand strong in the midst of the trials, when you allow the testing to prove something, to prove the dedication of your faith, the endurance of your faith. But it requires endurance and perseverance and you hanging on. And as that happens, you know that you have an enemy that is warring against you and he wants nothing more than your destruction. So when we pray, let's pray understanding that we're not saying, God, no more temptation in my life. That I'll never feel temptation again because you will. But let's take a look here what it says in, in the same verse but in the New Living Translation of Matthew chapter 6, verse 13. It says, and don't let us yield to temptation. Lord, don't let us give in to it. Don't let us fail the test, but Lord, rescue us from the evil one. The one who's ultimately out to get us. The one who ultimately wants to kill, steal, and destroy you. And here's the good news today. That God hasn't left us alone. And Jesus went through that wilderness experience. And everywhere that Israel failed, in every test that humanity had failed in, in that wilderness experience, and that you and I fail in all the time in our wilderness experiences, Jesus came through, passed every single test. And God's word said this, he was tempted in every way, yes, just as we are, yet he never failed. He was never with sin. And therefore, he's able to help us who are being tempted. And not only did he do that, he faced the greatest test. He faced the greatest trial that could ever come whenever he was stripped and beaten and when he was nailed to a cross, and when the Son of God bled and died there in front of the world, he did it because he loved you that much, and because God loved you that much. And through that, what looked like the greatest failure actually became the greatest victory, because three days later, come on someone, the tomb was empty, and Jesus rose, and he was alive, and because of that, God's word is true, that Jesus has the power to save you that Jesus has the power to deliver you. I don't care what you're walking through. It is not greater than he who overcame this world. It can't be. And so no matter where you are, no matter what you've been through, 
Jesus has the power to rescue you. And God's word is clear. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, and in other places in scripture, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. What wilderness are you caught in today? What journey have you been walking? What hopelessness are you feeling right now? Because I want you to know something. We have a God who came and by his stripes and by his death and resurrection, he is able to deliver us from the evil one and from all evil and lift our life up and change us and put us on a brand new path. Today, have you called upon the name of the Lord to save you? Today, are you living without that hope? Are you living without that relationship? Are you living without that future secured for you in heaven and in eternity? You need to know this, that you're one decision away from a completely different life. Jesus came and he lived and he died and he rose again to deliver you from evil, to deliver you from sin and to give you a brand new life. And today's the day of salvation. Today's the day that you could begin a brand new walk with him. Today, would we just bow our heads in the closing moments of this service? In just a few moments, we're going to be taking communion together as a church as the final way of concluding this service this morning. It's amazing that every month we as a church come to that communion table. And the bread ultimately represents his body that's broken. And the cup represents his blood that was shed. And that was so that we could be forgiven of our sins. And it is only those that have been forgiven of their sins that could take part in this. Jesus said, do it in remembrance of me. And we've never stopped doing it since the day Jesus called his followers to do that. But it's for those that have been forgiven. Today, have you been forgiven? Has Jesus come into your life and forgiven you of your sins? I want to invite you to say a prayer with me. It's a prayer to invite Jesus to come and to be Lord and to be your Savior and to forgive you of your sins. If you've never said this before or if you're recommitting your life to Jesus, you know you've walked away from him and you're coming back. I want you to say it from the bottom of your heart and say it with your own mouth and mean it in your heart. And that that is in this moment you calling upon the name of the Lord and he will save you. Pray with me, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins. They separated me from you. But I believe that you came and that you died and that you rose again for my forgiveness. Forgive me of my sins so that I could walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to ask anyone that's made that decision for the first time if you'd be willing to take a very bold step right now, and I'm warning you and I'm giving you a few moments' notice so you'll be ready for it. I'm going to count to three in just a moment, and if you said that prayer for the first time, we want to celebrate that decision with you. And so when I count to three, I'm just going to ask you if that was you and you said, you know, today's the day I recommitted my life to Jesus or for the first time I invited Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. There is no reason to be ashamed in a room like this. You would think that your favorite team just scored uh, in the Super Bowl tonight because we will celebrate that decision because we know it changes your life. It changed our lives. And every one of us has stood where one of you or many of you might be standing today. 
And so be willing to take that step. Defining moments in your life, they call for decisive actions. And today is one of those moments from you could feel it welling up inside of you. Fear, all those things. I want you to just be brave in this moment and be willing to stand for Jesus. Come on, someone. One, two, three. If that's you and today was the day that you accepted Jesus, stand to your feet right now and let's hear for them. Is there anyone here? Today was the day. Stand up right where you're at. In a room this size, I know that could be scary for some. Here's what I want you to know if you did not stand today and you made that decision. Don't leave here without letting someone know. We're going to have altar workers here at the end of the service and we're going to be here to pray with you. Matt's going to come and he's going to lead us in a song called Pray. I want you to listen to the words to this and the way we're going to conclude this series and the way that we're going to conclude this message today is with us coming to the Lord's table, remembering his sacrifice, remembering that it's only by the power of his bloodshed that we have been delivered from evil, that we could walk the journey he has for us. Amen? Amen. Let's worship him together, and then let's take one of each of the elements and hold on to them until we all take it together in just a few moments. We're going to have some of our altar workers, if we could stand. Some of our prayer partners, altar workers, will be here at the front. Matt and the band are going to lead us in another song, just calling upon the Lord. If you need prayer, we're here for you. Today, if you said that prayer and you were afraid, you didn't stand, but you know today's a brand new day, tell someone around you. In fact, come forward and let someone know at this altar that today was the day that you began to follow Jesus. And we'd love to connect with you and to celebrate with you and to pray for you. Let's all stand together, church. Lord Jesus, would you come and meet us today? Help us to walk in your goodness, Lord God. Lord, keep us from falling into temptation. Deliver us from the evil one. And Lord God, we pray that you would continue to keep us as we follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for being a part of Super Sunday. We'll see you next week.